the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a common misconception. Many of us are guilty of it, even though we don't really think about it. Church. Oh, we go to church. Church is that building on the corner. Church is that thing we do. It's not, according to Scripture, in our minds anyway, what we are. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse. Pastor Leighton Sheely continues our series, The Body of Christ. And that body is also called the church. And that's what we're focused on today. We invite you to spend a few minutes with us as Pastor Leighton continues our look at the various aspects of the body of Christ. And today, as mentioned, it's all about the church. Here's Pastor Leighton with today's broadcast of study verse by verse. How did Jesus accomplish his ministry? And what was Jesus' ministry? And to the question, how did Jesus accomplish his ministry, we looked to the scriptures and we found that scriptures clearly record that Jesus accomplished his ministry in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at numerous passages from the book of uh, Luke in particular, uh, such as the baptism, where as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And that was the uh, inaugural inauguration of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, In the very first sermon that Jesus uh, presented that's recorded in Luke, his very first sentence was, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So in other words, the scriptures clearly teach that Jesus did his ministry in the power and under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now someone could suggest that since Jesus was God and God is all-powerful, Jesus could have done his ministry in his own power. And while theoretically that might be possible, we as Jesus' disciples are not God. We do not have the power of God. And if Jesus had performed his ministry in his own power, then we could not possibly continue to perform his ministry because we're not God and we don't have that power. But in the plan of God as revealed to us in the scripture, Jesus did his ministry in the power and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then when he left, he sent us, the Holy Spirit, to empower his body, the church, so that we might be able to continue the ministry of Christ in the same power with which he ministered. We then looked at the question, what was the ministry of Jesus? And that is recorded for us throughout the New Testament and particularly so in the Gospels. Uh, Matthew tries to summarize it in Matthew 4.23 when he says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing or proclaiming or preaching the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And so the scriptures tell us Jesus went teaching and preaching and healing. And we as the body of Christ are called to do what Jesus did. And that's why the gifts of the spiritual gifts of teaching, preaching and healing are listed among the spiritual gifts. And when the church is exercising the gifts of the spirit, it is ministering uh, the ministry of Christ. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for ministry to each other and to our unsaved world. Coming back then to our originating text, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. 
Uh, up to present in this series of messages, we've been focusing on the portion of the passage that references the body, and today our attention is turning towards the church, and we want to get a better understanding of what the church is. Now, if we were to stop and we were to think about it for a while, it might be confusing to some who have not grown up in a church and don't have much knowledge of the scripture uh, to understand what the church is about. For instance, uh, we look around us and we find that there are many buildings that have the word church in the title, and so uh, some might presume that a church is a building. It might be a special building or a building of a special design or a building that's set apart for religious activities. But the point is that somebody might think that a church is a building. And then there are those who have been brought up with religious backgrounds that use the term church to describe a religious organization, perhaps a specific religious organization, perhaps an organization that claims to have exclusive rights to Jesus and salvation. And yet when we look around, we find that there are many organizations that claim to be a church by using that word in their title, but they don't teach the same thing as other organizations that have that word in the title. And the point being, some people might think uh, that the church is an organization. So what does the Bible teach us about the church? What is the church according to the Bible? Well, the Apostle Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the term church here does not describe a building, and it doesn't describe an organization. It describes people for whom Christ died to redeem them. In other words, people who are saved by Christ and his death on the cross. And that would include believers from all centuries of time, believers in in our century, believers in the New Testament age, and believers in the Old Testament age as well. Wayne Grudem, in his exceptional work entitled Systematic Theology, provides this definition. It says, The church is the community of all true believers for all time. And this definition understands that the church is made up of those who are truly saved. Jesus himself says he's going to build his church in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. And Luke is careful to to, to tell us that the growth of the early church uh, came not by mere human effort, but that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That according to Acts 2.47. This process by by which Christ uh, builds the church is a continuation of a pattern that God established in the Old Testament when he called people to himself to be a worshiping assembly before him. There are several indications in the Old Testament that God thought of his people as the church or as the church uh, when they were assembled for the purpose of worshiping God. So, uh, for instance, when Moses tells the people that the Lord said to him, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the earth, that from Deuteronomy 4.10, the Septuagint translates the word for gather with the Greek term ekklesiadso, which means to summon an assembly and is related to the word uh, ecclesia, which is the New Testament word for church. Um, So in other words, when we gather together to worship God, it's church. Now, some of of you might not be familiar when I mentioned Septuagint. What's the Septuagint? If you look in your Bible, sometimes you'll see an LXX. 
LXX is Roman numerals that stand for 70. 200 years before Christ walked the earth, about 70 translators got together, brilliant Hebrew translators, and they translated the Old Testament from its original language in Hebrew into Greek. 200 years before Christ. And so it's because of that translation that we have the connections uh, between uh, Hebrew thought and Hebrew word between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what the Septuagint is. And so from now on, when you see in your Bibles an LXX, uh, you know what that uh, stands for. Now, the visible church throughout the world will always include some unbelievers, and individual congregations will usually include some unbelievers because we can't see the hearts uh, as God sees them. Uh, Paul speaks of uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth and who are upsetting the faith of some. Uh, He says, with sorrow, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, these must have been significant people, possibly leaders in the church. um, And and, uh, they had uh, swerved from their their faith. They, They never, as Paul said, they were never really of us in the first place. Now, although we can see those who outwardly attend church, and sometimes we can see what we believe are evidences of internal spiritual change, we cannot actually see into a person's heart and know their spiritual state. Only God can do that. The Lord knows who are his, Second Timothy 2.19. And so because of that, scholars, biblical scholars, differentiate between a church that is seen and the unseen church. Uh, in its true spiritual reality, as the fellowship of genuine believers, the church is invisible. And that's because we can't see the condition of people's heart. We don't know if it's genuine or not. And so uh, one definition is the invisible church is the church as God sees it. It's the church as God sees it. God knows who is in the church, and that's the invisible church because we can't see that. The visible church is the church as Christians see it. And so when Paul writes his letters, his epistles to the uh, communities, to the, the various churches, he does so with the knowledge that in those churches there are going to be some who are not genuinely believers. So the visible church is a group of people who come together each week to worship as a church and profess faith in Christ. Paul warns the, uh, the, the vision elders that after his departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And Jesus warned, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they look like they're part of the flock. They look like fellow Christians. They come to in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. And so realizing this distinction between the church invisible and the church visible, one of our early church fathers, his name was Augustine, said, many sheep are outside the church and many wolves are inside the church. Uh, If you were to get technical, many sheep are without and many wolves are within. Now, there are sheep that are outside because, in part, maybe they have not yet heard the gospel. God has chosen them. These are prospects for evangelism. They just need to hear the gospel and respond to it. Uh, There might also be those who are outside who have been hurt by some kind of church situation, perhaps because they've been in a church where there have been wolves. And they didn't know that those wolves weren't sheep. 
And so they think that church is a place that is filled with wolves and it's an unsafe place. Uh, then there's the wolves that are within, and they might be, there might be, I put them into two categories. There are those who know they're wolves. They are intentional. They come to a church intending to cause hurt. And then there are those who are unintentional. They are self-deceived. They believe that they are a Christian, but in fact they're not, and they're going to be sowing lawlessness. So then, not every group or organization that puts the word church in its title is truly a church as defined by Scripture. And not every person who calls himself a a Christian is a Christian, as defined by Scripture. Now, uh, we can say that the church is both local and universal, and what that means is that in the New Testament, the word church might be applied to a group of believers meeting to worship, ranging anywhere from a small group meeting in a home, all the way up to the church universal. So, the church is an organism. Not necessarily brick and mortar. And you've been listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely here on Study Verse by Verse. To learn more about this broadcast or the church and where it originates, Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, we invite you to stop by our website and pay us a visit. Highlands.us. That's Highlands.us. Tomorrow we're back looking at the church once again as we continue our series called The Body of Christ. Join us then for Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.